This morning, our church is joining with Covenant Church Mobile in Alabama and Pathway Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. As we begin together a joint fast, something that's um, going to be exciting for all of us, a time of prayer and fasting. And at the end of our live stream this morning, Pastors Keith Curry and Joshua Baker will join us to discuss the focus of prayer for these three days. So don't go anywhere. Straight up at 11 o'clock Eastern time, somewhere around that time, they'll join us and we'll talk further about this fast together. But as a means to look at it, I wanted to just speak out of Psalm 91, which is kind of the theme for our fast. So join with me in reading Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, and he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On your hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And you will tread on the lion and adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And now the voicing changes from this command, this that is asking for God to be a refuge, to the Lord speaking of us himself. Because he holds fast in me, or fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This psalm is a favorite to many, including me, probably to you as well. It promises such great things, doesn't it? Protection, deliverance, long life, all centered on the theme of God as our dwelling place. It shares that theme with the psalm that that comes right before it, Psalm 90, which, by the way, is actually written by Moses, something a lot of people don't realize. Psalm 90 was written by Moses. You'll find his name listed in in the, the chapter heading right there at the beginning of the chapter. It says, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. And in its first verse, it touches this common theme. Verse 1 of Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, the author of the 91st Psalm is unknown, but there are many in the Hebrew tradition who attribute Psalm 91 also to Moses. And that could be very consistent since both are speaking of God as being our dwelling place. But 
where Psalm 90 points to a historical confession that God had always been Israel's dwelling place, the 91st Psalm makes it an imperative. If we're to expect to find his promise of refuge true in our future, we must make him our dwelling place. It says his shadow of protection is for us when we dwell in his shelter. And that protection is for the one who is intentionally dwelling in God's shelter. The one who dwells with him and in him. Not just the one who presumes that his shelter will always be there just in case of an emergency. That word dwells is the Hebrew word yashav, which means to sit, to sit down, to continue sitting, to remain, stay, to inhabit, to settle, to live with like in marriage. Dwelling in his shelter should be permanent relocation, not just an occasional visit. When, when my wife and I got married, we didn't live in two different places. We lived together like most married couples do. You know, what was funny was a few months after we got married, we had gone out on a date night and we're having dinner, enjoying conversation. And as we drove home, I drove her back to her parents' house, pulled up in the parking lot before we realized that she doesn't live there anymore. She lives with me. And this word for dwelling with him means that we live with him. We dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We don't live where we used to live anymore. We live with Him. I, I love the way the King James Version translates this first uh, verse. It says, He who dwelleth, that's a good King James word, He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that paints such a beautiful picture of intimacy and protection from everything outside that dwelling place. Now, I want you to stop what you're doing right now because I know everyone, you get distracted and you're multitasking and you're thinking about the kids who are playing at the coffee table. Everybody stop right now and listen to this one truth. Listen, the father has a secret place and he wants you to dwell with him there. Hear it again. The Father has a secret place and he wants us to dwell with him there. Now, when you hear that, what comes to your mind? What do you hear? What possibility does it hold for us? What reality does that offer that may not be evident in our current day-to-day life? To what degree are you experiencing God's presence that he provided. Where is it that you dwell most minutes of your day? Where is it that you dwell most days of your week? Most weeks of your year? Is it with him in his secret place? Listen, in the same way Jesus captured this language when he was speaking to his disciples and he said to them in John 15, abide in me and I in you. And he likened it to abiding, a branch abiding in the vine, being connected to the vine. That if that branch is not connected, 
it won't live and it will not produce. It has to be physically connected to its source. And likewise, he says, that's how we're to be connected with him, to him. If we're going to be alive in him, we must be connected to him. And there is no other way to be productive other than that. The the Apostle Paul captured this truth when he wrote to the Ephesian church. He said, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. But Paul went on further than that when he said down in verse 22, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, did you just see what happened there? We've been talking about the fact we're called to dwell with him in his secret place, to abide in Jesus and him and us, that we might be joined by the Spirit to the Father. But in that whole process, Paul helps us see that it takes it into a new dimension where not only are we dwelling with him, but he comes and dwells with us. He builds us into a dwelling place for himself. We're not just called to dwell with him. We are also being built into a dwelling place for him. And it's in this dwelling place that we we find his promises of hope for deliverance. Like in verse 3, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence and from, the, and from living in fear, where he says in verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. The promises he gives to us are of deliverance and of fearless living and of protection. When he says, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. Listen, these are such great promises, aren't they? Especially in the middle of a pandemic. But let's just take a moment and step outside our little bubble and address the elephant in the room. What if the terror of night still strikes you with fear? And what if the evil that is around us befalls you? And what if the plague comes near your tent? Does that that make you an exception to his promise? Does Does that keep you on the outside of his provision? When I think about many that are in our church community, many who have faced horrible things, like the death of a spouse or of a child. Some in our midst have experienced heartbreak and serious medical news and loss of a job and overwhelming circumstances, really bad stuff. The very fact that God offers us shelter in the first place means things are fallen in this world and we need a shelter. The fact he provides a shadow to abide in means that scorching realities all around us require that we have his protection. And the fact that he is our refuge and fortress indicates we have a very real enemy who's attacking us. Still, the Most High is the one in whom we trust. There is no other. He is the rock upon which we stand. It points out to me 
that I probably need to rethink my definition of evil and even the way I understand his rescue. I mean, even Job said it this way in Job 30, 26, but when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. The very opposite of what Job had wanted was what he seemed to get. And, and even Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. For in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Listen, any tribulation we suffer in this world is only temporary. Its effects are limited to this life. For the ultimate evil, which is eternal separation from God, will never come near us. And even Joseph himself said to his brothers in the Old Testament, what was meant for evil, God intends for our good. It was the last recording of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to Timothy. He said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Now that's a wonderful confession that Paul is making, but those were the last words that he wrote before he was hauled before Nero and beheaded. He had just written this wonderful confession that God would rescue him from every evil deed, but now he's being hauled up before an, even, an evil Roman empire and an evil Roman emperor, and he's been put to death for his faith. Did Paul miss it? Did he trust God in vain? Did he misunderstand what God had said and what God had promised? Of course not. Paul's conviction was rock solid and he was rescued in the fullest sense as God brought him safely into his kingdom. I think we need to understand that as believers, this lifespan that we have, this 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life we have here, here on, ha, we have here on planet Earth, that's not all there is. There is so much more that God has for us. The abundant life Jesus promised doesn't cease when we face hardship or tribulation or even when we come to the end of our life on planet Earth. It starts that very day. It did start back when we received him and it continues in the midst of everything we face, but it's gonna be fully realized when we see him face to face. When we are born again into Christ, when we've been rescued from the greatest evil to ever befall a person, we've been rescued from death, which is the consequence of our sin. And I guess Paul the apostle said it the best when he said to the church, the Colossian church, he said, he, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, as we consider in this three-day time of fasting, this Psalm, Psalm 91, during this time of seeking his face, I want us to consider a different perspective. I want us to see that God has given us everything we need. We are, we are called to dwell in him where we abide under the shadow of his mighty wings. And we abide there forever when we dwell with him. True evil will never befall us. 
because Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. We will, we will experience never the recompense of the wicked, for his angels have given charge over us, and we are hidden in him, for he is our refuge and our fortress. And while we have tribulation in this world, we can take heart for Jesus has overcome the world. God's presence in our trouble is far better than the absence of trouble without him. Well, now it's my privilege to welcome my two friends, uh, Pastor Keith Curry from Covenant Church of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama, and also Pastor Joshua Baker from Pathway Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. It's uh, good to see both of you men. I'm glad that you're able to join us. We're excited because even as they join us, their congregations are watching this with them. And so we're being able to connect our fellowships here in Atlanta, there in Mobile, and also in Tupelo, Mississippi. So. Uh, we're grateful that we get the privilege of doing this. I love these brothers. Um, we share a very rich, common heritage. I've known Keith and his wife, Patricia, for close to 40 years. And uh, I know we don't look like it, but uh, we have known each other a while. And I was honored uh, when Don and I lived in Mobile to work with Keith at Covenant Church and also the Covenant Christian School, where Keith has been involved with uh, for many, many years, since its inception. And then I've also been blessed to get to know and work with Joshua Baker, who was Keith's associate pastor, where I got to meet him. And we worked together on camps and other efforts. And he and his wife, Abigail, have just recently been sent out from Mobile to uh, plant a new church in Tupelo, Mississippi, where they have family and others that are there and they're beginning this church, Pathway Church. And so we're delighted that both of you are here with us today. And we're gonna each share with uh, our congregations, uh, each of our three churches, about the focus of this three-day fast. The leadership of each of our churches have felt that the Lord has led us into this time where we can set aside the next three days, today, beginning today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, as a time of prayer and fasting. That we might pray for the church at large, for our nation, and particularly for God's people to find their dwelling place in Him. Just what I was speaking about. That especially in these kinds of uncertain times, we have a fortress. We have a refuge. We have a shadow of the Almighty over us. What we believe is that God wants us to dwell in his secret place by loving him and knowing his name and by calling on him. And we also believe that in doing these things, his shadow of protection will be over us. And we will deliver, or he will deliver us, set us on high, answer us and be with us in trouble, delivering us from, from evil and honoring us, satisfying us with long life and showing us his salvation. So this morning, each of us are going to share with you the daily focus that we'll have in this fast. And the one I'm sharing with you is today's focus, the day of Sunday. And that focus is namely that we would dwell in his secret place by loving and worshiping him. 
that we would worship and love him and let that grow in our experience so as to dwell with him. Like the question I asked earlier for our church, the Father has a secret place. Do you realize he wants you to dwell with him there? That's where he wants us to be. And it, and it kind of reminds me of Psalm 84 where the psalmist said, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. My soul longs. Yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they sing for joy to the living God. This longing for his place, his dwelling place, is what we focus on today, this Sunday. And it's, it's met in our relationship with Jesus who told his disciples, abide in me and I will abide in you. And he was, he was speaking the psalmist language that we should dwell in him, remain, inhabit, stay there where we can love him more fully and worship him with abandon. So I'm challenging each of us, each of us in these three congregations to set today aside as a day to be with him in worship and love, to get alone with him, to sit in his dwelling place and worship him in spirit and in truth. For you see, what worship will do is it will further open that door to his dwelling place. It will make room for you to come and sit and remain seated with him. And as your heart expresses gratitude and praise and adoration before him, it will more fully access the secret place of the Most High where there is fullness of joy.